Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, we are ending our Trapped series uh, this morning. Thank you, sir. And uh, so turn over to Exodus chapter 16. Well, a little while back, uh, Dawn and I were at some friends' houses. They invited a few couples over uh, for dinner. And she was the kind of person that could not rest but had to stay busy every second we were there. Anybody ever been around somebody like that before? I mean, first of all, you know, had to make sure everything was laid out just perfect, very nice. If you took one glass, uh, took one drink of your tea, she immediately came over and filled it, you know. Uh, She made sure everything in the room was perfect. We actually began to play games with her. Like, she would leave the room and we would move one thing on the mantle and she would just walk in and immediately know it and move it back or something like that, you know. And then I was in a quandary. And here's my quandary. I wanted her to rest and to join us and to appreciate what was going on with her friends, but I was also being waited on, and it was kind of nice, you know. And so I didn't know what to do here, you know. What would I do? But we meet people all the time who just can't rest, who no matter what is going on in their life, they just seem they have to be in perpetual motion. They never really settle down. They never really rest. And we're going to look over to Exodus chapter 16 this morning, and we're going to talk about the trap of busyness, and we're going to see how we overcome that trap that we all fall in at one time or another. Now, as some background as we get started, we're going to start over in uh, uh, verse 12, but as we get started, I'm going to kind of give you a summary of what's going on here. Israel has left Egypt. There were the plagues on Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the great miracles. Uh, They've been gone about a month and a half. During that month and a half, they've run out of water and God miraculously provided water. Now they're in the middle of the Sinai Desert and they've ran out of food. That's not a good thing to be in the middle of the desert and run out of food. And so they begin to whine and complain. Look at chapter 16, verse 3. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. You brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So they've only been gone a month and a half after seeing all of those great miracles in Egypt, and they've already given up their faith. We wish we were still slaves in Egypt. At least we had food to eat there. Why did you bring us out here just to die in the desert? And then look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread down from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. So God tells them, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to rain bread down from heaven. And we're told the purpose of this was to test the people to see if they would follow God. Now, what kind of test would it be? It was a kind of test to see, do they really trust God? God. And when it comes to busyness in our life, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Because why are we so busy? Why can we never rest? Why can we never take five minutes off? And the answer is we think we have to do it all ourselves. And if we're not there, everything's going to fall apart. And so it comes down to a basic lack of trust in God. So let's look over into our scripture passage now, Exodus chapter 16. And the first thing we see is this. We need to trust God to provide for us on a daily basis. 
to trust God to provide for us on a daily basis. Look down to verse 12 of Exodus chapter 16. I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. In the morning you'll be filled with bread, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So he's saying, I'm going to provide you food, and then you will know you can trust me. I'm going to take care of you. Everything isn't dependent upon you. There's no reason to panic. I'm going to be there. I'm going to take care of you. Verse 13, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And so they wake up the next morning and there's this this thin dew-like thing on the ground. They've never seen it before. And they ask each other, well, what is it? Now, you've heard of manna before, the bread that God rained down from heaven. We've got all kinds of songs, you know, holy manna. The word manna means, what is it? Okay, that's what the word manna means. So we're singing, holy, what is it? Uh, when we sing those songs here or something like that, you know. Uh, so that, that's what the word manna means. What in the world is this stuff that's been rained down upon us? They're trying to figure it out. Down to verse 16. This is what the Lord had commanded. Everyone is together as much as they needed. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered as little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much didn't have too much. The one who gathered little didn't have too little. And everyone gathered just as much as they needed. And so what they're told here is, hey, this is like a buffet. Get whatever you want. If you're a big eater, get a whole lot. If you're a small eater, just get a little bit. You know, This is for your, you provide for your food. Take as much or as little as you want for yourself that day. Now, when it comes to buffets, anybody here like eating at buffets? Yeah, I can tell. But, but anyway, uh, when it comes to buffets, there's a, you know, a couple of rules I've got. Make sure you get your money's worth, but I always just get one small plate at a time because I don't want to leave a lot of food. Have you ever seen somebody at a buffet just leave all kinds of food? And I'm thinking, man, what a waste. Now, I don't want to do that, but I want to make sure I get my money's worth. Now, Dawn, I mean, We'll go to a buffet, you know, I'm on my fourth plate, and Dawn's still on her one little plate with, you know, some lettuce on it or something like that, you know. And I'm going, seriously, Dawn, you're wasting our money here, you know. We should have gotten you the small side salad, and I could have gotten two buffets, you know. And then, and then we, could have, we could have done that. But this is basically like buffet here, you know. Uh, get, get whatever you want, you know, just, to, just enough for you to get by. Uh, and that's how you're going to know that God is going to take care of you. And so the first thing we see is that the point of the manna was for them to trust God on a daily basis. The fact of the matter is most of us don't trust God on a daily basis. On a daily basis, we're practical atheists. We may have a little devotion in the morning or a prayer at meals or something like that, but the way we live our life, as far as God being involved in it, is we're basically practical atheists. Think about when you go through life and you have a decision to make uh, as, you're, as you're going down. Well, I've got to do this or that. Is this the right thing or is that the wrong thing? When you have problems in your marriage, trouble with your kids, is the first thing you do go to the Lord and make him a part of what is going on in your life? Or basically do you make all those decisions yourself? Because we've come into a pattern where we make all of life's decisions and leave God completely out of it. Every day we literally make hundreds of decisions. And a lot of those decisions affect the way that our life is lived and the quality of the life that we live. And God needs to be involved in every one of those decisions. 
And yet we say, what we say is, well, I'm too busy to bring God in when I really need him in my life. But God isn't something that just shows up at one time. He's something that you need to be with and walk with all the time in your life. God needs to be a part of your daily life. Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, wrote one time that he had so much to do one day that he had to get up even earlier than normal so that he could pray over everything he had to do. Now, that's giving everything over to God, and that's what we need to be doing. God needs to be a part of everything that we do in our life, all of our decisions, all of our interpersonal relationships, what we're doing at work, in school, our behavior, our thought processes. God wants to be a part of all of our life. And the story of the manna is very simple. Trust me. You can trust me. I'm going to take care of you. Your life will be better when you care for me. And that brings us to the second thing we see. Often the way we live our lives show a lack of trust in God. The way we live on a daily basis shows a lack of trust in God. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 in our scripture passage. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. And so Moses was angry with them. So Moses tells them, okay, God's going to provide for you on a daily basis. Therefore, just take enough that you need for today. But some people didn't listen to Moses. They gathered enough for the next day or the next week. Because what were they afraid of? It might not show up again tomorrow. We're already in a place where there's no food. We need to get as much as we can and put it aside. They're showing that they're trusting in themselves and their ideas instead of God and what God says. And so the next morning they wake up and all of this manna that they had collected has maggots in it and begins to stink. It smells really bad. Now, if you're in tents right next to each other, you can tell who kept the, the manna overnight. How can you tell? Yeah, they've got worms coming out of the tent and there's a smell uh, going on that's there. So it's not exactly a hidden thing. Our scripture tells us that Moses was angry when this happened. Why was he angry? Because what the people were saying was, I don't trust God. I don't trust God to provide for me. I don't trust this to be here again in the morning. I have to take care of myself. And again, that's where most of us come down, is that God is not a part of our everyday life. What happens when there's problems in your marriage? What happens when your kids uh, become rebellious? What happens when you have problems at work or with your finances? Is the first thing you do go to the Lord and turn those things over to him, or do you try to solve everything yourself? Because if you are, you're basically doing the exact same thing they were doing in our scripture passage. God is a part of your life, but God is not the leading force in your life. And we miss so many blessings and so much help that God has planned for us when we do it. Basically, as I said, we become practical atheists. When I went to seminary a long time ago, uh, it was amazing to me that uh, the minister of youth that I had at the church at that time, he said he was the only person in the dorm room at the seminary that went to church on Sunday morning. And do you know why? Because they felt like they were around God and studying God things all week. Give me a day off from this. There's a big difference between studying about God and worshiping and being a part of God's family. But they had kind of compartmentalized their life. And that's what we do. We have God over here and we have the rest of our life over here. And so when do we call God in? We call God in if something really bad goes wrong in our life. If something you can't handle hits you, that's when you call God in. 
okay, this is too big for me. I'm overwhelmed. Dear Lord, I haven't talked to you in three months. I've never read my Bible. I haven't been going to church and I've been living a pretty bad life, but I've got a problem now. Show up and save me. Is that the prayer we have most of the time? Uh, You know, we call God in when things get bad in our lives. And you know what? When you call God in in those times, he does care. And if you're sincerely coming to him, he shows up and he, he, he's there with you in it. But how much better to be able to come to God and to say, Lord, I know you. I love you. You've been a part of my life every day. Things are getting out of control. I know you're there. You know, rise up and give me strength today. It's a much different prayer than, hey, I haven't been around in a while. Uh, can you show up and help me now that things are going on? So often the way we live our life shows a lack of trust in God. And that brings us to the third thing that we see in our scripture passage. Keeping the Sabbath shows the ultimate trust in God. Keeping the Sabbath shows the ultimate trust in God. So Israel's learned a hard lesson here. Their lesson was on a daily basis, trust God. And that had to do with the manna. If they didn't trust God and they took took it and they kept it overnight, it rotted, it smelled, it had maggots in it. And so they, they were given this lesson to trust God on a daily basis. Then look down to verse 22. Verse 22. Now on the sixth day they were told together twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow's to be a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left, and keep it until the morning. So on the sixth day, Moses tells the people, now today when you go out and get your manna, get enough for tomorrow too. Because tomorrow is the Sabbath day. And so get it all ready for your meals for tomorrow because there's not going to be any manna tomorrow because it's the Sabbath day. Prepare it and keep it overnight today. What's the practical problem with that? Thank you. It spoils. They've already been taught a hard lesson. Apparently you all didn't get the hard lesson, but... The hard lesson was, if you keep it overnight, it spoils. And now they're being told, okay, now that that's finally been drummed into you, if you keep it overnight, it spoils. On the sixth day, keep it overnight. Does that make any sense? Because it doesn't have anything to do with the manna spoiling. It has to do with their trust in God on a daily basis. You see, this was a miracle that was taking place. Bread is being rained down like heaven. Oh, uh, later on in our scripture, we're told it tastes like wafers with honey on them. That'd be a pretty good, pretty good meal to, to, to have there. And uh, so, so they're getting this every morning. But the point of it is, do you really trust God? And so now they're hitting that point again. Okay, do you really trust God? Because God said there's supposed to be a Sabbath day where we rest. Gathering manna is like work. So trust God on the seventh day as well. And the point of that was what we were doing on the Sabbath is supposed to be very, very important. In Exodus chapter 20, uh, just a couple of chapters over, this keeping the Sabbath becomes a part of the Ten Commandments. In in Genesis chapter 2, keeping the Sabbath was very important. God rested on the seventh day. We were supposed to rest. The point of the Sabbath is that every person needs a day of rest. The word Sabbath means to stop from work. 
That's what the word means. It, it doesn't mean come to worship. It means stop, stop your work. Because what God is saying to us is that the way he created your body is that your body just can't go on without any rest day after day. You have to have a time of rest and rejuvenation. You have to have a time of of recalibrating yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually. That's why you come to church. Because you need to recalibrate where you are spiritually. You need a time of worship and and, and getting closer to God and your family. You need a time of resting your body and and resting your soul. All of that is what the Sabbath is about. It's supposed to be a day of rest and we need it. And doctors tell us that if we don't rest, if we just work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, certain things happen to us. Uh, What happens is uh, our heart becomes overworked. Uh, We become tired. Uh, we begin to uh, uh, not look as good as we did. You ever heard of your beauty rest? Uh, you know, you really did. If somebody walked up to you and say, man, you look tired this morning. You go, well, thanks. I've been real busy, you know, because uh, I never stop working. I, I'm, I'm, I'm at it every day. No, if somebody tells you you look tired, you think, oh, man, what's, what's wrong with me or something like that? Did I, did I put my makeup on right or something? You know, if you're told you look tired. Those are not compliments when somebody says that. The Sabbath was given to help people. Jesus actually talks about that uh, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, when there is a, uh, a discussion about Jesus breaking the Sabbath. And this is what Jesus said to the religious leaders. Look, the Sabbath day was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath day. Now, what's Jesus trying to say? The Sabbath, God didn't say, I create Sabbath. You must follow it. God didn't do that. You know what God did? God created you. And God says, because I love you, because I care for you, and because I want the best for you, you need to have one day where you rest your mind, your body, and your soul, and you, and you rejuvenate yourself. And if you don't have that, then your life will be less because of it. And so keeping the Sabbath is the ultimate trust in God. Will I stop my daily activities and my rushing around and my busyness and rest my mind, my body, and my soul? And that brings us to the third thing that we see. When we continually break the Sabbath, we're saying we weren't trusting God to care and provide for us. When you continually break the Sabbath, you're saying you're not trusting God to care and provide for you. Look down to verse 27. Nevertheless, great word there. Nevertheless, it's actually three words in in one there, never, the, and less. Nevertheless, what's it referring to? Even though I brought you out of Egypt, even though you saw every one of the miracles, even though I provided water for you when you were thirsty, even though I had quail came in and gave you meat, even though I'm raining bread down from heaven, nevertheless, you still don't trust me and you do what you want to do. You could say it to us today. Nevertheless, nevertheless, that I forgave you of your sins, that I sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, that I've changed your whole life, that I've forgiven you and raised you up and given you all of these blessings. Nevertheless, you refuse to trust me in the practical things of life. Verse 27 again. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, And they didn't find any. And then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and obey my instructions? 
Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the Sabbath day. No one is to go out. And so the people rested on the Sabbath day. So this time it's God that gets irritated, not Moses. And God says, what's it going to take for you to trust me? Because the Sabbath is a trust. And if you look down to uh, verse 29, bear in mind the Lord has given you the Sabbath day. It's exactly what Jesus said. The Sabbath is to help you. It's not God trying to make a rule that that, uh, he's trying to burden you or hold you down. God says you can't go on without rest. Have you ever seen like uh, uh, big movie stars uh, who are on a tour or something and they have to be hospitalized because they're just going nonstop or something like that? You know, happens all the time. Uh, I had a a friend in seminary, very talented young man, went to a, a, a county seat church. The church doubled in size working himself silly, and the next thing I was told is he's in the hospital. And I went to see him in the hospital. He'd had a nervous breakdown. You can't go 24-7 and never stop. He eventually got better, went back to his church, went to a large church in Nashville, Tennessee. The church, it was already a large church, doubled in size in two years. He was so good, so aggressive, and two years later, he's back in the hospital. And after that, he left the ministry because he just couldn't do it anymore. You can't go like that all the time. The Sabbath is for our benefit. And yet sometimes we think, no, no, I've got to be in charge of everything. I've got to do it. It's a busy week. I've got to keep up. I've got to do everything. By the end of it, you're exhausted and you're not trusting God. And there are certain things that happen uh, when we don't trust God. Everything gets out of kilter. Now I'm going to give you three ways to tell if you're too busy to rest on the Sabbath day. Three ways to tell if you're too busy to rest on the Sabbath day. Don't take these personally. If you have one hour where you have nothing to do, you get bored. If you have one hour with nothing to do, you get bored. Why do you get bored if you just have one hour with nothing to do? Because your life has been scheduled to the extent that every minute has something to do in it. You can't rest. Every minute you have to be doing something. And if you have one hour, you begin to say, man, I don't want to do. We see it with our children. Our children, man, they've got one hour with nothing to do. They're bouncing off the walls, bored to death, because we've so overscheduled our children, they don't know what rest is today. Man, they're going from, from computer classes to, to uh, baseball practice to dance classes. Uh, you know, we're, we're moving them swim classes, one thing to the other, uh, homework, school. The kids never even have 30 minutes to rest. They don't know how to rest. And if we give them one hour to rest, they're bored and bouncing off the walls. The fact of the matter is, if you get bored that quickly, it shows you don't know how to rest and you need a Sabbath day. Number two, if you finally rest for a little while and you feel worse than when you started. You take a nap and you get up and you feel, man, I'm tired than I was before I took the nap. You get a day where you really do get a day off and you get up the next day and you say, whoo, I can't take one of those days anymore. I'm exhausted after that day of rest. Do you know why rest exhausts you? Because your body is finally getting what it needs and starts shutting down. Thank you. And then you say, okay, that was an hour. I've got to get back up and get going again. Why am I so tired? Because your body's saying, look, you finally rested. Give me some more of it. 
But nope, we got to keep going. And so we, we go on and on and on. And number three, if you have one hour with nothing to do, it makes you feel guilty. Man, I should be doing something. I should be out there working. There are so many projects I have to accomplish. I'm just sitting here wasting my time, and the world is moving around me. If I don't get up and do something, it'll all fall apart because I'm in charge. And so having just an hour to rest, you feel guilty about it all the time. give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. John Adams uh, and his son John Quincy both became president. When John And they kept really uh, detailed uh, diaries. And one day John Adams wrote this in his diary. Totally wasted day. Had to go fishing with my son. So much to do. Such a wasted day. John Quincy Adams wrote this on the same day in his diary. Best day of my life. Spent the entire day fishing with my dad. Do you see the difference in the two? One was looking at what am I missing if I'm not there in charge of it that I need to be doing. And the other was just enjoying the time that they had together. So those are three quick ways to say, hey, do I really need a Sabbath? Because the Sabbath has to do with whether or not you trust God. Will you let the world go and say, I need that day of rest. I need to rest my mind, need to rest my body, need to rest my spirit. So what do you do on the Sabbath day? Can you watch a football game? Does it rest, give you rest and rejuvenate you? Some of you probably not. <laughs> no! <laughs> so I'll leave that up, up to you. It's supposed to be a day off. It's not a day where you can't do anything but think about God, which was the old way of doing it. Uh, I remember uh, 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 when I was in Owensboro, uh, the pastor that founded the church I was at, they said he used to drive around to see if anybody was mowing their grass on Sunday, and then he'd get out and yell at them if they were. And they wanted to know if I was going to do that or not. And I said, no, I, you know, I'll be mowing my, my own grass or something. I don't have, don't have time to do that. Actually, Dawn would be mowing, mowing, mowing the grass. But that's another story that we'll, we'll get into uh, uh, at, at another point. So what do you do on the Sabbath day? Well, you need to have a time to rest your spirit, rest your soul. So worship is a part of that. I need a time to reconnect with God because the the world has been a blur for a week. I need a time to center myself on God, the way I'm living my life and what's going on. You need a time to really rest your body. Uh, Because you've got a day off doesn't mean you're resting. That's some, some people, that's the time to catch up on all their projects or they're running from this place to the next place. And Monday comes and you're tireder than you were on Friday. Have you ever gone on a vacation and thought, I need a vacation for my vacation? You know, by, by the time you get there, you're not really resting. You know, maybe resting is going out with friends or watching the ball game or, or getting together with your family or something like that. But it, it's, not, it's not a strict, you have to do this or that. It needs to be rest for your body, your mind, and your soul. And the question is, do we really trust God? Because God says you need it. Now, you can say, I know better than God. I know God's in charge, and he's sovereign, and he controls all of this stuff. But when it comes to my life, if I'm not doing something every second, if I take one day off to rest, my whole world's going to fall apart. And that's saying, I don't trust you, Lord. 
But when you get to the point of saying, Lord, I'm going to put you in charge, I'm going to take that day of rest, then we find that everything becomes better in our life. We become stronger, our minds become quicker, we get better looking because we get our beauty rest. Everything begins to change when you get that rest. And sometimes it seems crazy. How can I let go of these things? But you've heard this many, many times. I'm going to tell it to you one more time. On May 1st, 1926, the Ford Motor Company did something that was absolutely ridiculous. They were laughed at. They were mocked. People thought Henry Ford had gone crazy. They went from a six-day, ten-hour work week to a five-day, eight-hour work week. And people said, well, that's not going to work. Think about what you're doing. You are basically losing 18 hours of work per person per week. Your whole company is going to crash down in no time. But Henry Ford did it anyway. Do you know what happened? In one year, production was up. Injuries were down. uh, People being sick were less. And morale was way up. Because you know what happened? People were getting rest. And as people were getting rest, it made them more productive in the jobs they were doing. It was counterintuitive to everything everybody was doing in the entire world. But when he did it, it worked. It's a basic biblical principle. And guess what? Within 10 years, almost every major company in the United States had gone to it because they saw the results of it. It was laughed at, it was mocked, but when people had rest, productivity went up. The Bible taught that a long time ago in the story of the manna that we see right here. When you trust God, you're going to see great results. God tells us, trust me on a daily basis, trust me with the Sabbath. The world is not in your hands, it's in His. When you recognize that on a daily basis, and when you recognize that you need the rest God intended one day a week, and you do those things, your life will be better and stronger because of it. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us and you've given us this Sabbath rest. Help us to take the world out of our own hands and to put it back into yours. Knowing that, dear Lord, when we trust you, it makes everything better. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to this time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. Several things you can do there this time. First of all, just right where you're standing, ask yourself, have I fallen into the trap of busyness? Because the trap of busyness will wear you out and accomplish very little. And if you are, just right where you're standing, you can pray, Lord, help me to stop trying to be busy all the time and to just take the rest you've intended. It'll make your whole life better if you will do that. Maybe during this time you want to come and pray at this altar about needs or problems that you have. And uh, this altar is always open for that. We have ministers that would love to pray with you as well. You can come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. And the most important thing you could ever do is to say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. Accept him as Lord and Savior and come follow him in baptism. This is your time as we stand together and we sing.
Anybody here ever had a kid that had to take a nap and made him take a nap? Anybody here, kid not want to take a nap? Why did you make them take the nap? Because they needed it, and if they didn't get it, they're going to be really grumpy uh, later on. It was worth the little fight because they really needed that nap. That's what the Sabbath day is about. God's saying, hey, you need a nap, okay? And I'm trying to give it to you. You don't want it, uh, but believe me, you're going to be grumpy uh, if you don't get it. Uh, Rick and Nicole, come on down, guys. Nicole, here is your baptismal certificate. Congratulations, Rick. Congratulations. I will say that when, uh, when after Rick was baptized and you two kissed in the baptistry, it was, it was so sweet. It was just so special uh, when I was there. I think that may have been the first kiss in the, in the baptistry that, that, that we've had that you know. uh, there, there in a while. Although maybe Doug Roof and I, I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Congratulations, though, guys. We're very excited for you. I'm going to have Rick and Nicole stay down front here. You come by, uh, introduce yourself to them, meet them, and tell them how happy you are to have them a part of our church and the decisions they make. Let's have a prayer now. Dear Father, uh, thank you that you love us so much. You are a good, good Father, and all you want is our best. Uh, so, Lord, help us to realize that you're not trying to hurt us or restrict us. You just want our lives to be lived to the fullest. I thank you again for Rick and Nicole for the decisions they made. Let this be uh, uh, the start of good things in their life and their marriage and with, their, with, uh, with Ricky, Father, let this just be uh, the beginning of good things with you. And we just thank you for them and uh, love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m., We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.